0: Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And hey, keep your mouth shut, 50. I lead by example.
1: With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out,
0: and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better.
1: Yeah! Well, you can take this ball out the real sound, but you can't take the real sound out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit deeper.
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to After the Snap. This is episode 40. Read, Reed, we have been doing this for 40 weeks now, and that is that is mind blowing to me. What started out as just a fun idea has really turned into more than that. Uh, we've had some unbelievable guests on. Uh, we now have a recurring guest on with us, Brett. Carlson is joining us again this week. We are happy to have him back. Your level and, of
2: positivity is the opposite of my mood right now, but that's okay. I'll
0: <laughs> I will get to that here in a moment. But I will say that um, this just as I was as I was looking at the title of our pod this week, I saw that it is now episode forty, and that is just crazy to me. So time flies, um, but. We will first get into a recap of this past weekend, just so we can get that out of the way. A heartbreaker in Kansas City. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. I'll read. I'll let you take the floor.
3: Yeah. Um. So just uh. You know. Happy to be here with the boys. Oh man. I. Golly. I wish. I, I wish. Um. I've had three days to think about it. I wish I had more to say. I think. Uh. It's tough. You you know we were so close right there, but um, sometimes you just need the chips to fall your way. No pun intended. Uh, hashtag coin toss. That that that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. So, oh, man, um, you know, incredible game. I think probably from a objective point of view, one of it's probably just it's a, that that game was an instant classic. 100%. I think just from a from 100%. an objective. General football uh, fans' perspective, I guess somebody you know for somebody that didn't have a a rooting interest. I mean, I think I I think I saw the numbers yesterday. It was like fifty something million people were tuned in at peak at the peak you know viewing times, and that's I mean, yeah, that's that's almost Super Bowl number. You're getting you're getting up there. You're creeping up there towards most watched program of the year. Uh, Not much to say other than super unfortunate, proud of the guys. We had a great season, ups and downs. But, uh, you know, we were uh, to say we were pretty resilient, kind of fighting through, uh, like I said, some of the ups and downs that we had through the season. But finishing off the season with four wins, winning the first playoff game at home, uh, you know, with full crowd in 25 years or whatever it it was. It was, you know, great season, but there's only one happy team at the end every year, that's I think that's 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 pretty much all I gotta say.
0: So something that has been in the social media realm and all over ESPN and and everything has been the talk about the overtime rules and and how Kansas City pushed for that. I think they were the ones actually introducing the rule change maybe last year, or the year before
3: twenty eighteen, or after the eighteen season, okay, I believe. So,
0: so a couple years ago, and then fast forward to now they are you know the beneficiary of what is now the overtime rules do you have an opinion on it I I mean I'll share mine and after you're finished but I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on on the overtime rules and if if you think they should be changed
3: I do have an opinion and I think my opinion is I think Josh put it pretty well you know if the roles had been reversed, we'd be the ones celebrating. And it, I think, I think, honestly speaking, it would be hard for me to sit here and say, "Yeah, I wish both teams had a chance at it." <laughs> right? I mean, it's you know, yeah. if we had won yeah. the coin toss and went down and scored, I would be like, nah, keep them the same." Um, right. So it's hard for me to kind of argue against from you know trying to have an honest perspective. You know, that's that's the rules you know going in. You know what what the rules are, and you got to play up to the rules. You know, I mean that's, I mean that's, a, that's 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 as simple as I can put it. That's probably not a great answer. That's not the answer that a lot of people want to hear. But, I mean, you you you, you got to play, you got to play the game. How it's, you know, how it's well, set guess- up. It's it's unfortunate that it happened. Josh was undefeated in coin tosses coming into. Uh, Sunday night, and both coin tosses didn't go our way. So, <laughs> play the odds.
0: But I, I will say um, that just in general, in if you're if you're looking at sports in general, there is in pretty much every sport there is a chance for both, both teams, teams get an opportunity to have an opportunity to yep. score. In
3: baseball, baseball, both teams go to bat. Basketball, if you you play the whole five minutes, you know extra innings.
0: If you go to extra innings in baseball, the first the first team that comes up to bat isn't the only team that comes up to bat. If they hit if they hit a home run, the game's not over. Like you still have to play the bottom of the inning, and so I guess my opinion would be that it should be that every that both teams at least get an opportunity to score. A touchdown or a field goal and I think that that's the easy thing to say for a team that is the you know not on the good side of of the overtime rule but um, I think if you're looking at it from just a general fan of of sports you would you would think that that would be the most logical way to sort yeah. out a tie at the end of regulation
1: Here's my proposition for overtime. Everyone says forgets about special teams. Special teams third of the game. What you do is you have a coin toss to see who goes first and then from the 30-yard line you or the really a 30-yard field goal, you alternate and then when you make a 30-yarder then you move back 5 yards and keep doing it and then you cap it at 55 and that's how you solve overtime.
0: It's like playing the crossbar game at practice, where so you so, you, so you're saying kick field yards. goals,
1: kick field goals. That's what you do. You do you start with a 30 yard field goal. If they both make it, move it back to 35, and so on, and then you cap it at 55. So you just yes. keep dinging
3: 55 yarders until somebody misses.
1: Correct. It's almost like a, a shootout in the NHL. That would be electric. How do you do it yeah, at the same be. end, or do you do it? You alternate opposite. it like penalty kicks. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Like win
0: direction is important there.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. If you win the coin toss and elect to kick, you know, first, then the other person
3: gets to pick the direction. Is the is the field goal team out there with the field goal block team or are you just holder kicker? Snapper holder kicker? Everybody's out everybody's out okay, there. Okay, so it's
1: a field goal play. It's an actual field goal so play. So you can get it blocked. Correct. Okay. And return it. And return it for a I, was touchdown. Say, and, and, I was gonna and, say i was gonna say at what point game. do you
0: put the returner back there because the kicker's leg is going to get tired from yeah. hitting 55 yarders over and over and over and over again
2: why not I, and as a total
0: non-football
2: insider here why not just play another 10 minutes like i my argument is you got to go longer than what one drive would take right so if the average drive lengths between three and five minutes you got to play an extra period that's longer than even an extreme drive length so no one can just control the ball all the way down and kick a field goal. So why not just play like a 10-minute fifth quarter or something like that?
3: Yeah, I think um, that is what a lot of people talk about doing. Because if you go 15, I'm, then
2: it's like wear and tear and during the regular season. Yeah, I'm, like, not I mean, sure. I'm not, not sure. It's not fair to play honestly. another 25% of a game, but yeah, it's like – I'm sure it's been talked down, about. But Like risking player injury is obviously a big factor. So I understand this is not an easy thing to solve, so – yeah, Anyways. it's
3: uh yeah, like I said, unfortunate that it um had to come down to a coin toss, but like I said, that's 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 the way it goes and you got to play it as it lies. So tough one, tough one to swallow, but um yeah, I mean going going into the off season with with a with a, you know, another another bigger chip on our shoulder now.
0: As a football watcher, any football fan would say that this is, this was probably actually, this was definitely the best weekend of football, arguably in history. There were so many just unbelievable moments and unbelievable games this past weekend that, you know, there's no, there's no secret as to why, your game was the most watched because there were three absolutely electric games yep. leading up to it. And they were yep. like, well, these are, you know, this is going to be just the next one. And so that actually leads me into our after the snap clutch snap of the week for the divisional round, which goes to all three of the games prior to the Buffalo-Kansas City game.
3: <laughs> and and love my man, James for the Chiefs. Love my man James Winchester. If I was not playing in that game, I would probably give him the clutch snap because they tied it up on the 50-yarder or the 48-yarder at the end of regulation. But they didn't win the game on that kick, so I think we're going with the prior three games.
0: Shout out to Evan McPherson for just absolutely hammering that that game winner for the Bengals. I mean, a rookie to walk in there and Joe Burrow was saying after the game that after they had come off the field and they were about to send uh, the field goal team out there, Evan was like, Look, he looked over at Joe and was like, All right, well, I guess we're going to the next round. <laughs> For a rookie to say that, to just that is, that is unbelievable the confidence that he showed. And I watched a little bit of uh, McAfee's podcast today or his uh, radio show, whatever it is. And um, they had Evan on, and just he talked about Zach Taylor and all the and Darren Simmons and just how much confidence that those coaches have, have in him. So um, that's incredible. Yeah. So time. he's hit,
3: he's hit the most, he's hit like 11 50 yarders this season, which is the most by a kicker in a single season. Wow. Which is incredible. Just to finish off, clutch snap of the week Clark Harris, Matthew Orzek, Taylor and, Pepper. Pepper. So congrats to them three for all snapping game winning field goals to go to the conference championship game.
0: Reed, what are your offseason plans? What are you, what are you doing?
3: Erica Blakely and I will be uh, doing a bit of traveling. You know, we, you know, we love a good, uh, good road trip here and there. So uh, we'll be making our way bouncing around um, between Buffalo and Houston to see her family Atlanta to see our family, uh, maybe taking a trip to the beach or something like that. So we're kind of we'll be bouncing around, uh, keeping busy. uh, But I will obviously, uh, I'm taking. I think I think we uh, covered it back, kind of the first section of episodes that we did. We talked about kind of our off season plans uh, and how we approach the off season and stuff like that, and kind of how how you approach the off season and how how going into the offseason with the right mindset can really set you up for success uh, heading into the next season. So, you know, I'm, I'm really going in with an open mind. I have a pretty good plan as far as, you know, allowing my body to rest here for about a week and a half, two weeks, especially because we played a couple extra games on the back end of the season
0: What was that, 22 22 games?
3: Yeah, yeah, 17, 20, yeah, preseason and postseason, 22 games. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, long season. long year, man. Long year. I've been going, obviously, since beginning of August with training camp or late July, I guess, with training camp. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, need to give myself time to check out mentally and physically and just get, you know, get the body right, get the mind right, uh, spend some time with family, and um, you know, excited. I'm really excited to kind of watch Blakely grow. Now, you know, obviously, I've been home every. You know, I get I get to see her pretty much every. Uh, you know, I've gotten to see her pretty much every day during the season, but uh, not at, not as much interaction time as I will now. So, uh, pretty excited about that. She ho- is hopefully going to be walking soon. So I'm I keep mentioning to Erica how excited I am that, that I'm going to be able to like take her places and we can go to the playground or we can, you know, I can take her to the store and she can walk around with me and stuff like that. So, um, and you know, instead of having to carry her or, you know, push a stroller or something. So looking forward to that in a couple months, um, that'll be here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the off season always, always tends to fly by. I mean, Blake, you can, you can speak for that personally, I guess from, from lat, from doing your first one last year, but uh, yeah the the training and uh, the training and, and lifting and speed work and, and all that stuff will come but uh, right now I am definitely focused on uh, chilling out and trying to check out from football mentally with last year being my first real offseason
0: where I didn't have anybody telling me what to do I was like in when you're in college you are being You know, you still have spring football, you have workouts that, you know, the strength coach has you doing. So you have sort of this structure, you have to be on campus anyway for classes and all that. So there's a whole lot of structure. And you, you know, you come to the NFL, and now there's nobody telling you what to do. They just, you know, it's just show up in shape and make your weight and be ready to perform for OTAs and then after that for training camp. And so there's not really a whole lot of guidance. And I was fortunate obviously to have you just giving me a blueprint last year for how you do it. And, you know, I, I took a lot of notes on what worked, what didn't work. And, you know, I, I have gotten my, I've gotten a new planner for this off season and got some notebooks and stuff that I'm going to start working on here soon because I've been on my off season two weeks longer than you have. So I'm, I'm kind of to the point now where I'm like, all right, time to think about, you know, what does my training look like here in the next few weeks? What are my goals for the off season? I have 12 weeks between now and when we are going to be going back for OTAs roughly, roughly, what am I going to do with those 12 weeks? And so I've really had the last two weeks to do exactly what you're getting ready to do, which is super, super, super helpful to just mentally decompress because we spend so much time at the facility for basically the months of August through January that you you have to, for your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, to check out for at least two weeks, just to not think about anything. The, the most stressful part of your day should be, what am I going to have for dinner? Like it should be, you know, super relaxing. And ju- that's, that's how you recover physically as well. Like you, you know, you're not stressed. Your body isn't stressed. There's a whole lot of physiological jargon that I could that I could put into that, but it's it it all ties together based on that recovery time. And so I'm looking forward to this offseason because last year it was kind of, you know, doing it on my own for the first time, figuring it out. And in some ways I still am, but this offseason I I kind of know what to expect. I know, you know, how my body reacted last year. And I'm gonna tweak a couple of things and you know, I can really, t- really take advantage of these 12 to 13 weeks before we report back for OTAs.
2: I think that's like one of the craziest parts that like, <laughs> I think is like fans or people that aren't around football players, which was me before a few years ago. Like you think like, oh, they're done. It's January, February, and they report back in July. or And it's just like, you guys will be back in the swing of things in like just a few short weeks. It's so crazy. Like this is so, it seems like a lot of time, but
0: knowing you guys, it's like not that long in any sport. It is a full time job year round. You know, the cliche term, there is no off season. There really isn't an off season because even in the off season, you're still training. You still have to consider what you're eating. You still have to consider what time you're going to bed. Now, is it a little bit looser than it would be in season? Yes, obviously, but you still have to put together a plan; otherwise, you're going to get left behind. Again, I was very fortunate to be ahead of the game because of my older brother. We haven't done short snaps in a while, so i, I will first let I will first let Chris play our little uh, intro. Short snaps.
1: Stip, snap, stip, snap,
0: stip, All the news that's fit to kick. Short snaps are a segment that we like to cover a couple of things that we have seen throughout the week or uh, notable articles or whatever that we feel like that our listeners would really enjoy and is just cool stuff that has happened. So without further ado, short snap number one, I came across a tweet I think yesterday, maybe the day before. I can't remember. Um, And it was talking about how Devontae Adams, star receiver for the Packers, played high school football with Braves superstar, Braves former Dodgers superstar, Jock Peterson. And they played football together at Palo Alto High School. And they were both wide receivers during the 2009 season. During that season, Jock Peterson was a senior and Devontae Adams was a junior. Jock Peterson had thirty receptions for six hundred and fifty yards and nine touchdowns. Devontae Adams was used to even play in high school, isn't it like eight or I think it's well, we we played ten regular season and then it was like five for the playoffs. That's a lot of yards. I was saying that's a short season. That's a lot of yards. 30 receptions, 650 yards, and nine touchdowns during the season. And Devontae Adams was not the leading receiver on that team. Devontae Adams had 25 receptions for 484 yards and seven touchdowns. And I was like, man, I had, number one, I had no idea that Jock Peterson played football. And number two, it's hilarious to me to think about the fact that Devonte Adams wasn't the top receiver his junior year of high school.
2: Oh, you always hear about like, you know, like when I, when it was like 20 years ago, it was like kids should just do the sport they want to do and like do that. And then like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it became like cross training. and kids should, if you want to play baseball, they should also play football or basketball and like play all the sports. And it's like, Man, that seems to clearly work when you hear about stories like this or, you know, the Kyler Murray's and stuff of the world that are just yeah. like super good at multiple sports. And they almost have to pick which one to be the best at.
0: Yeah. And, and that's something that that's something I, I want to get into here in just a second. But I want to f- I want to finish off what I the, the stats. So in 2010, the next year, um, Jock Peterson was obviously senior in 2009. Graduated and was drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the eleventh round of the uh, MLB first-year player draft, and then so Devontae Adams became a senior, came back, sixty-three receptions, almost eleven hundred yards, and eleven touchdowns.
3: So he that's basically ridiculous. he basically combined. He just doubled. He just he, doubled he, what he, Jock Peterson had done the previous year. That's what I'm saying. He 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 basically. Combined everything that they did together in the 0-9 yeah. season, in the like, 2010 just, season, except for the touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. I'll just do it myself. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's pretty funny to see. Um, I think yeah, when you had uh, mentioned this to me that you wanted to talk about this on the podcast, the first thing I I was started reading up on it, and what a lot of people were saying were it was how beneficial it is for quarterbacks, um was was kind of the main uh point of emphasis but uh what a lot of these a lot of the modern they said I think they said modern style quarterbacks uh they're du- they're dual sport uh athletes in high school and a lot of them played baseball uh to, to kind of learn those different uh, arm angles to throw out of right you know you know more some of the pitches like a 12-6 curveball is more overhand you know you know a slider might be more out of that uh you know 90 degree arm That's slot um so That's i thought I was, I was just kind of reading a little brief uh, article on that which i thought was pretty uh, interesting just because i also played baseball growing up but um yeah pretty pretty interesting because you think of guys like josh like patrick um you know Lamar Jackson, I can think of that throws a lot of sidearm throws. You know, being super accurate. You know, that wasn't that wasn't really. You know, 20, 20, 25 years ago, you know, you you kind of just saw okay, everybody kind of threw it sort of out of the same arm slot, except if your name's Michael Vick or Philip Rivers or Philip Rivers, right? So everybody kind of threw it relatively similar. You've got a lot yeah. more guys nowadays who. Um, are throwing out of these crazy arm slots uh, and, and still being accurate with the football. So I think, uh, you know, there's definitely practice behind that, but it's pretty interesting to me just to hear the widespread belief of how beneficial it is to be a dual sport athlete. And I say that I as ironically as possible because I only played football in high school.
0: <laughs> there are, there, so I, I looked up some stats based on, um, like in favor of single sport, you know, athletes and, and stats in favor of making the case for multi sport athletes. And I think it's interesting because the sports where you have this sort of earlier peak performance, like a, Women's gymnastics, like a figure um, skating, yeah, just like these, just different kind of different kind of sports that required different uh, muscle movements and things like that. Those were the ones that required the single sport, like very specialized mindset. Whereas Division One men's football. Players, 71% of them were multi sport athletes in high school. There's uh, runners like track athletes, 87% of D1 female runners and 91% of D1 male runners were multi sport athletes. Uh, And then lacrosse. There are so many different body angles and movements and things and cutting and all these different sports that you can put into one sport which is lacrosse that 88% of men and 83% of women who play lacrosse played other sports in high school. So I think it's those those sports like football, like lacrosse, like track running, you know, where you can you can get away with doing multiple sports and you're almost at a you're almost at an advantage because of that. It's the gymnastics it's the figure skating it's tennis where you have to really train those fine muscles that you see the the more specialized at an earlier age and then also read you and i have have talked with you know our family at length i think we've actually mentioned it on the podcast the the concept of the ten thousand hour rule and the fact the I, I guess I will say that it's a fact that if you do something for 10,000 hours, you will be proficient at it. You'll be an expert at it. Yep, expert. And,
3: yeah, it's one of my favorite books of all time, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell.
0: And you see that in these sports like gymnastics. Like, I mean, f- we are we are kind of outliers, I guess I should say, in, in our sport because t- I just talked about football, but in long snapping, like to be a high performing long snapper or kicker or punter it requires the same kind of specialist mentality that a figure skater would or sure. another sport like that
3: so falling I, in I, love with the monotony of the job
0: yeah and because you have to in order to be
3: chasing chasing the fine details is what i tell a lot of people is like oh how what makes a good long snapper you know how do you how do you you know what's the difference between uh you know the uh, a guy that's a 5 star and a guy that's a you know a barely you know almost a 4 star snapper And it's like well attention to details this guy uh this guy can snap and block smoothly the you know the guy that's not as good might struggle with the transition he's got a tighter spiral he you know he's uh, just a tad more accurate on a consistent basis. Stuff like that. It's falling in love with the details and getting those perfect and being obsessed with the perfection. It, it, and that goes that that's across the board. That that could be for uh, Brett and his photography, taking you know t- ten spending ten thousand hours taking uh, capturing different shots, setting up for different shots, practicing lighting all that kind of stuff in, in encapsulates the be becoming an expert in your field.
2: I saw it. Right. what's going around like today on the internet in my world is kind of interesting and uh, rings true to this. So there's a couple of people sharing these series of quotes, but uh, someone called it taking the elevator versus taking the stairs. So a lot of people want to get to from point A to point B as fast as possible and think there's a shortcut to get there. Like, Okay, I'm doing the thing. I got to meet the person, and like you know, I'm gonna get to that higher level. And somebody called it uh, that's taking the elevator. But if you want to like hone in on the details, worry about your craft and make it perfect, then that's taking the stairs. And I thought that was a pretty cool way of looking at it. And it sounds exactly like what you're talking about right now.
3: Yeah, I like that.
0: I think that that's only being amplified by the society that we live in with everything being at our fingertips in an instant the what do you internet, mean by that the internet is constantly being pushed faster our technology is constantly being pushed faster we want more quicker and we get so used to having everything at our fingertips in such a in such an instant that we just assume that everything is going to come in life in an instant and it's just simply not that way i think also we have the microwave well i I was just gonna sorry i was just gonna say we have the microwave dinner mindset as opposed to the traeger dinner mindset
2: hashtag please sponsor us um no no free ads yeah no free shout outs (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, like, I think also like the appearance of success and actual success have been blurred together. You know, Uh, Blake, when we were hanging out a few weeks ago, I remember we, we like some random Instagram account popped up on one of our phones and it's some person like in in like these exotic places or on these trips or whatever and just the appearance of success in business and and you kind of like we looked at it and we both had the same thought and the same conversation of like this is so many people now that it's like i'm just creating this uh version of myself on the internet it appears that i'm like a stock trader or a business person or in my world there's an, a million of them There filmmakers or photographers or whatever um obviously in what y'all do is like a little bit different you can't you can't uh just post on instagram that you're a long snapper but i bet for recruiting and stuff in colleges it, it probably is a factor i'm sure when they get somebody into camp or they get somebody to try out it's it's probably much different than what they were showing on film and stuff like that
0: we've traveled quite a bit from from our original short snap topic which was <laughs> jock peterson and Devonte adams and the um benefits and and um I guess opposite of benefits which would be consequences I guess uh this long snap yeah this is a long snap of dual sports in high school but I, I think it's actually a good segue into short snap number two. And speaking of dual sport athletes, Reed, you and I were sharing this on Twitter the other day. We spent a lot of time on Twitter now that I Think about it. We were sharing this on Twitter, and it was a video of Kirby Smart and basically half his coaching staff and Nick Saban in New Orleans watching number one 2023 recruit Arch Manning play basketball. He was not playing football. He wasn't doing football workouts he was playing basketball, and if you don't know who Arch is, he's the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, grandson of Archie Manning, all, in my opinion, future Hall of Famers. People say Eli won't make it. I think Eli was a great quarterback. I think he's going to go. Anyway, he's the nephew Didn't Peyton of, already get
3: inducted? Yes, and okay.
0: Archie, Archie
3: is – That's what I was about to say. Yep. Okay, you're saying you're saying um, they'll eventually all get there. They were there. all three. Okay, yes, okay. I was about sorry. to say there are Poor two of them already in there.
0: Yeah, Okay. Poor wording. Um, and so he attends the same high school that Peyton and Eli graduated from, Newman High School in New Orleans.
3: Also home of LSU great Odell Beckham Jr.
0: Yep. And uh, my college roommate, Ronnie Lamarck. There you go. Lamarck Ford. Go buy a Ford truck from – Lamar Ford. No free ads. Arch Manning is the number one recruit and quite possibly the most hyped recruit in all of football history. And I feel like we say that every single year. But I've been hearing about Arch Manning since he was in like sixth grade.
3: Yeah, that, that it's funny you say that because I remember when he first got put on the map. And I think I was still at LSU. So it was seven years, six, seven years ago, and I was like, you know, someday this kid's going to be, you know, whatever class it is, the 2023 class, and, you know, that's, oh, that's so far away. Here we are, or it's 2022, and he's a year away from signing somewhere, or maybe less than a year, depending on the signing period dates or whatnot. Um, I think that's just pretty crazy. Time uh, Time is just flying right by, but... I definitely think he's in the conversation of most hyped recruit of all time.
0: He's got to be just based on the I longevity. I think that's a hard
3: way to I think it's it's hard to measure just if we're being super specific about things, he's probably top 5 I think all time. Yeah, there's no real way to measure that. Yeah, there's not really right. I mean he's a five star he's probably, you know, five star whatever whatever. I think it is interesting and I think it speaks to the level of detail that Kirby and Nick and kind of that, obviously Kirby came from Nick's coaching tree. Uh, I think it speaks to the level of detail that they had that those two programs have obviously just coming off of both of national title, national title game appearance, the, the level of detail to greatness that they're willing to go and observe Arch Manning, not saying it, nobody else has done this, but the, the, for those that go and watch him play basketball, they're going to go, you know, they'll probably talk to him before the game, after the game, you know, whatever, hang out with him for a little bit. But to go and see how he interacts with his teammates on the court, you know, how does he react to getting subbed out of the game uh, when the game is close? You know, can he focus and hit his free throws level, you know, attention to detail, uh, free throws wins, win, you know, free throws win basketball games. How athletic does he look running up and down the court? Like stuff like that. Obviously, speaking to being a dual threat athlete, a lot of that stuff is going to carry over into wherever he signs, potentially, you know, factoring into him making a play that could be a, a title winning play. And obviously, they're going to have done, they will have done their homework already. So I think it's, it, you know, they're obviously playing the long game. Uh, everybody is going after him. Obviously, most one of the most hype recruits of all time. So uh, I think it's pretty, it's it's obviously pretty cool. And I think it, it's he is going to be, you know, I hope he can deal with the pressure of coming from that, you know that that family line, which is hilarious because he is not, you know, he he's he's so hyped up, and he is not the son of Peyton or Eli, who actually played in the NFL. So I thought that was kind of funny. Right, his dad. Um,
0: His dad was the only brother that didn't play in
3: the. That didn't make it, right? Like, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's got a show called Soup with Coop or something like that. So, uh, just hilarious. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, if you're asking my opinion, I think he'll be a great football player, and I think that's probably the that's my two cents.
2: Do you guys think like if you had to break it down percentage, how much of are they there for athletic scouting and how much are they there for like the courting and long game? You know what I mean? Like because it's it's part of it is like you're trying to win this person over. Like, right. oh, I'm, just say, like I'm
0: sure it means
3: probably sure it means I'd say 30
2: thirty. Seventy sure. percent courting, seventy percent. Athletic. I'd
3: say maybe 60, 40 I think sixty percent they're there for the athleticism, forty for the courting, no pun intended.
2: I'm sure it so means a lot to court press, so to speak.
0: Yes. Aha. I was just gonna say, I'm sure it means a lot to him for them to be there. Exactly. Lane Kiffen is there like every other week. He's I follow Lane Kiffin on Twitter because he's like a top he's like one of my top ten favorite people to follow on Twitter. Because he just posts like photos and like random, you know, um like Quotes that are motivational, and he'll just tag at Ole Miss f ball, like just like the most random stuff. Uh, but it seems like every other week he's posting a photo from you know his travels, and he's like being super secretive about where he is, but not really. It's like you know he's like he like takes a picture of an apartment complex window, and in the window somebody's got like a Hoodat Nation flag, so you know he's in New Orleans seeing Arch Manning for a while Lane Kiffen had created an Instagram like this was like last year he had created an Instagram and for a while his only person that he followed on Instagram was Arch Manning and it's the it's that kind of stuff and it that's like a completely different approach because Lane is just so I don't know crazy. Uh, he's just he's just crazy he's out there But he's got
3: a magnetic personality though. People love her. People love her.
0: And so I think that that's, I I think that that's his way of doing that. And, and you never know, you never know what's going
3: to work though. 100%. You never know what's going to stick with a kid. Right. Oh, when you're, when you're 16 years old, 17 years old. Oh my gosh. Lane Kiffin. uh, He's got an Instagram account and I'm the only person he follows. And then you, you fall in love, right? You fall right. in love like that instant. You're like, "Oh my gosh, I want to be an old Miss rebel." And now you've right. got the you've got the advantage.
0: I and just then picture, it doesn't matter yeah. as
3: much that oh, you know, oh, Kirby Smart just won a national championship. He's at my basketball game. I like. I really like Lane Kiffin though. So then you that that's how that's when you start playing the game. Right, Lane Kiffin put
0: Manning in the end zone. When they were honoring Eli Manning, like there's no secret that is like that is like billboard. Yes, Archie Manning, come to school here. Yes, like we love your family at Ole Miss because your uncle played here and did did Archie play there too?
3: Uh, I think think he was somewhere
0: in Mississippi. Anyway. I feel, I feel it's like, like it be couldn't like
2: be more obvious. A funny mockumentary show about, like, you know, Lane and Kirby and Nick. And where are they going? They're going to a basketball game. Why are we going to the basketball game? We got to go to the basketball game. It's just like Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute characters of all three of them. And then all three of them with the, with the finger guns, you know, point at each other. Like, you know, like I got, I got, they all got made up little gimmick things
3: they're doing. It'd be super funny. Archie Manning um, did attend Ole or- Miss.
0: I think that puts a wrap on short snap number two. It's time for one final thought.
3: Read. Let's hear it. So the, the way you kind of set it up, you said, all right, one final thought. Wanted to end with something. Just an original thought from everybody across the board. And I kind of took it as like a what hill are you willing to die on? This is your soapbox for the next two minutes. This is my soapbox. So yep. I read an article – About a Florida man who was arrested. Blake, I'm sure you saw this. A Florida man that was arrested because his bacon was not cooked enough at Waffle House. I know Waffle House has been getting a lot of pub lately uh, on this podcast, no free ads. But I wanted to just, I wanted to chat a little bit about how crispy humans should be eating their bacon.
0: Okay. See, the thing is, this is this is un. Hang on. This is uninterrupted opinion time. Soapbox yes. read. Yes.
3: Okay. Go for it. So continuing my soapbox. So uh, in this article, it was uh, outkick.com Those guys do a great job. I think it was my guy Joe Kinsey, uh, huge Bengals fan. So uh, he'll be getting my my cheers this weekend. But uh, he posted a pic. A, he linked a picture. Um, into the article, and it had six strips of bacon. It could have been the same piece of bacon, just six different, six stages of crispiness, okay? One to six. One was basically raw out of the package. Six was basically um, well done. It was a very dark piece of bacon. And two through five were obviously the steps on the way there. The general uh, consensus was that most people eat their bacon between four and five. Now, if you look at the picture, again, uninterrupted soapbox. If you look at the picture, I think I am a five. That is the way that I, when I put bacon in my oven for breakfast, I make sure my bacon is, a, is at the f- picture of a five. Now, I wanted to gauge the room and see what you guys thought so think of it and, I, and i'll post a picture to the podcast account and put up a uh, poll shortly but i wanted to gauge interest and see uh see what you guys thought i have shown you guys the picture where do we stand i'm all day three max four so you like your I so kind of you like your
2: bacon raw I, brett's it's a flimsy good, guy thick- if it's good thick bacon, then you gotta you can't bake you can't cook all that flavor out, man.
0: But but Waffle House doesn't have thick bacon; they have regular bacon, and I think that if it is if it is it's like six, it's gonna be like very. You rigid. can't pick but it up. I'm, well, you can it breaks break just going you touch it. it. Either and if yeah. it doesn't, it's it's like it's it's like a ch- potato chip. Yeah. So you need a little bit of the, as uh, barstool prez calls it, the New York flop. Like you need a little bit of of flop when you pick it up, but but I don't I don't vibe with the flimsy, like undercooked. It can't be pink. It's got to be brown.
3: Okay, be Blake, brown. where yeah. do you stand?
0: I'm gonna go four and a half.
3: Yeah, it's got to be four or five. Five. Okay. Yeah, four
1: four and a half or five. But I also Reedy did mention that you do yours in the oven, which is the correct way to make bacon, yes. but I will also add that whenever I am making bacon, I will baste it with a mixture of spicy mustard, paprika, maple syrup, and bourbon.
0: Spicy mustard? I'm out on yeah. that. But I'll try Marsh it. It's delicious. I mean, I'll try it's it. It's delicious.
1: It is delicious. I think we can
0: all agree here that Mama Ferg makes the best bacon known to man, and that is her delicious candied bacon that she it's makes incredible. with brown sugar. and That was life-changing. Love. Yeah.
3: All right, Blake, what's your soapbox?
0: My one final thought is coming out of the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame results voting – I'm a little bit, actually a lot of bit, disappointed in the BBWAA, basically the baseball writers, who are responsible for voting on the Hall of Fame ballot. And I am glad that they put in David Ortiz, longtime Red Sox fan here. But I'm a little disappointed in the fact that Barry Bonds, has now officially missed out as he just just missed his 10th year of eligibility on the pro, pro Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. And we all know why he is not being, you know, voted into the Hall of Fame. He used steroids. He was caught. And now everybody is saying how he, you know, was – not He would not have been as great as he was had he not used steroids. And to me, that is such a tired excuse for just really just shunning somebody because the league, the MLB, ignored the use of steroids for so long and profited off of it and grew the game off of it when Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were just cranking home runs, cranking that you can't turn around and and say, "Oh, he doesn't deserve to be in the he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because of his steroid use." Yeah, when the league allowed it, allowed it, I say that they benefit benefited from it for way too long to be able to then change their tune and shun him out. That, that is was like a score.
2: magical time in baseball. I mean, the amount of marketing and hype from every that whole season where Sammy Sosa and Mark McGwire going back and forth like what an incredible era as far as that sport was that was doing. But amazing also how far it fell once it all came out like yeah. just crushed a lot of things about that sport for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, Blake to hit on your point, I I saw a um there's been a lot of obviously, a lot of talk about it last couple days. Here's a stat for you, okay? And just to just to um, preface what I'm about to read, I think it's important to remember you still have to hit the ball,
0: which is like statistically one of the hardest things to do in all of sports, right? Regardless contact. of how strong you are, yeah.
3: That's my one gripe. I think he still had to go out there and do it on a daily basis, yeah. right? Okay, so here, that that's preface to this tweet that I saw. David Ortiz, career on base percentage, 380. 38% of the time, 38% of his at-bats, David Ortiz reached at least first base. Barry Bonds, career on base percentage, If you turned all 762 of his home runs into outs, his career – Barry Bond's career OBP would be 384. That's That's
0: crazy. That is insane. I I have a stat for you.
3: 762 out – more outs – Right. And if he, he took still, all of those
0: away. Yeah.
3: Still, no no no, not take all of them away, but you take all of them away and you count them as outs. Right. you count them as outs. You don't yeah. just you, take yeah. the ABs out. Right. Yeah. You count them as failures. Yeah. He's in still, in terms of OBP,
0: he's still on base more than David Ortiz who made it into the Hall of Fame this year.
3: He still reached at a higher rate albeit four thousandths of a percent or right? It's it's incredible.
0: Can I, I have a stat for you? I saw this graphic today, and this will be the last thing we talk about on Barry Bonds. 14-time All-Star, 12-time Silver Slugger Award, 8-time Gold Glove, which, yes, steroids make you a better athlete, but they mainly help you hit home runs, not catch baseballs in the outfield. 7-time NL MVP, Seven time MLB MVP, three time NL Hank Aaron award, two time NL batting champion, and two time NL home run leader. Can't make it up. 73 home runs in a season. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And he has now missed out on getting into the Hall of Fame. Brett, what's your final thought?
2: This year's Super Bowl is on the tail end of the biggest-est, Super football season in all of history. And a buddy sent me an article the other day, which actually surprised me as someone who works full-time in photography and filmmaking. This Super Bowl, which is being hyped like every other, and the huge halftime show, huge broadcast, you see commercials for it for six months, will not be broadcast in 4K. In fact... I don't think any Super Bowl has been broadcast in 4K and they don't even have the capability to broadcast in 4K, which is absolutely insane to me. So they're saying that I think 2023 Fox will be broadcasting it. And I think they have broadcast one game in 4K, but absolutely crazy because last year at the Olympics, they not only had 4K broadcasts, they had 4K HDR with Dolby Atmos surround sound. And if this is getting really geeky, it's basically movie theater quality for certain events at the Olympics last year. And yet the biggest sporting event on television is still coming across in good old-fashioned 1080p, which it's been in for 15 years or something like that.
0: Can I ask a question? Yeah. What about the Olympics allows them to broadcast in 4K, but not the Super Bowl? Because it's the same it's the same network it's nbc yeah that's what's wild to me so so the super bowl
2: the broadcast team is the team from nbc the olympics is actually almost all the camera angles and everything you see for the olympics is a a group called obs olympic broadcasting services i think Uh, it's obs either way so basically they just slaps
0: their name on it
2: Correct. So NBC, you know, European networks, Asian networks, Australian networks, they all just slap their graphics and media team around it. And obviously they pull the feeds of their athletes. So instead of having 47 camera crews up there for alpine skiing, they have one. And then uh, in addition to that, though, networks could send uh, alternative cameras. NBC will send extra crews that are recording like slow motion and cinematics and stuff like that. Why they can't do the Super Bowl? I have no idea. They say it's to deal with the delivery, like getting it to people is the problem, and not necessarily the capture. So at the stadium they could do it, but they couldn't get it out to people. But totally blew my mind when I saw this. I was actually really surprised and uh, thought it was pretty interesting, especially since it's the biggestest football season in all time. So yeah,
0: it's the most giganticest of all time.
2: That's next season, actually. So next season, <laughs> maybe they'll do four
1: K. <laughs> Chris what you got uh, really it's my final thought would be like a, be more directed towards Reed because of what the bills did this season win the division again another playoff run this time we didn't make it to the championship game we out in the divisional round but as long as I've been a fan and been able to pay attention to it you know from my middle school years to now. Now I'm just now being a part of a fan base with a team that is now relevant and is going to be relevant for the next ten to fifteen years, contending for the division, deep playoff runs. This is all I've ever wanted, and you know I'm I'm glad it's here. And you know, even though Sunday's outcome was not what we'd wanted, I'm glad that the Bills are good again, consistently, and relevant, and will be on primetime games for the next 10 to 15 years and making deep playoff runs. I love it. Yeah, I was just talking to a friend who covered a lot. I photographed many seasons of the Buffalo Bills,
2: and we were talking on the phone this afternoon, and I was like, you know what, win or lose, I was like, how many times could we say that the Buffalo Bills are a competitive football team in the National Football League. I said, I sat through so many games, rain, snow, cold, heat. And I said, third quarter, I'm just sitting there photographing the other team. Don't photograph the Bills for the entire second half because they had already lost the game by so much. I said, what a blessing to be excited and a fan and be able to cheer and wear that stuff with pride. It's it's pretty awesome, and there's – Tens of thousands of people that have been dying for this for decades, so it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'll piggyback that um, just to finish it off. I think when I think about I think the back-to-back weekends of the Jets game, beating the Jets, and then finding out that we we're playing the Patriots at home and then winning that game in the fashion we did, I think – what that meant to A, the organization, everybody in it, the players, coaches, staff, and then what that meant to the millions of Bills fans uh, across the nation, Chris, yourself included, uh, what that meant to beat that team at home in the playoffs in front of the home stadium. I couldn't be more happy for the fans and what that means to them. So um yeah, to, yeah, I appreciate appreciate the kind words, Chris, and I'm, you know, I'm happy I'm a part of it. It's a blessing.
0: I will congratulate you, but just know that I'm actively seeking out a recurring guest who is a Miami Dolphin fan because I am severely <laughs> outnumbered here. <laughs> we got to get some more aqua and orange in this podcast. So just know that I am. Seeking reinforcements. I own the one of one. I just hope both
2: Ferguson's have fun shirts that I wore in Hard Rock Stadium out of deep respect that
0: this is about more than just football that, uh, yeah. Reed, I actually, just before I I put a bow on this, I actually considered getting a T-shirt that said, I just hope Reed snaps well when I was coming up for your game against the Patriots, but it was going to be four degrees and you would not see a t-shirt. I would have had to get some sort of large, like four X to fit it over all the coats that I had on. So I figured it probably was not worth it. bear. just know that I hope you snap. Well, thank you. <laughs> Likewise. All right. That is a wrap on episode 40 of after the snap. As always, you can follow us on social media at After the Snap Pod. Follow Brett at Brett in Real Life. He posts some really cool stuff. Go follow him on Instagram. And also, as always, go subscribe to the pod. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Helps us grow. This has been After the Snap: Tales from Two Brothers Who Live Life Upside Down.